It's three reasons why the housing shortage will last for years. So this is an actual report done by Goldman Sachs. At a point when the country badly needs more houses, housing starts fell, and they're saying 9%, but this was a little bit, the, their report was a little bit older, so it was like, what, 14%, I think I said, 13-something, in April, and Goldman Sachs doesn't see the cavalry arriving soon. A May 2nd note from Goldman's Ronnie Walker found, yeah, found that new home sales and housing starts have reached their highest level since 06, and housing supply is at its lowest level since the 70s. But as demand remains high, little is being done and can be done to fix the low supply. The resulting picture is one of a persistent supply-demand imbalance in the years ahead. So the reason for this is that they're saying with millennials aging into a home-buying time of life, the availability of construction materials and workers, or lack thereof, and even foreclosures that may hit the housing market. So the three areas that they see that's going to be affecting demand is going to be the large millennial population and the lack of workers. And then, you know, when forbearances are over and all of these are over, the rise in foreclosures. So you're, and what does this mean though? What's very important with this is when they talk about foreclosures, they're not talking about a supply of foreclosures hitting the market. They're talking about a lack of supply of foreclosures hitting the market, where a lot of people think that foreclosures are going to come in. They're saying there's no reasons why they will. These houses have a tremendous amount of equity. As we see wages go up and employment come back, they're going to be able to get jobs to take care of their mortgages. So a lot of these people are not going to need to sell. They're going to be able to do loan modifications. They're going to be able to do things to keep their home. Well, and the stuff we've talked about and like predicted or like our guess what was going to happen. It's like people are waiting for the foreclosures. I'm like, I wouldn't be waiting for a massive wind of foreclosures. It's like the market can absorb whatever foreclosures do come about. And these people like the banks learned that they can't dump inventory onto the market because that drives their, it starts a self-fulfilling cycle all the way down of all their assets so like they're gonna trickle them on they're gonna try to do loan modifications they're, and they're, they're gonna drag those out for a very long period of time before they finally foreclose on that house and by the time they foreclose on the house it's like i don't think an investor is going to be able to go in there and do anything about it because the mortgage had been in so far behind for so long because like when you like we've seen it before like when you look at a mortgage statement somebody in foreclosure like they may be only a month behind like six months behind their payments but it's insane how fast that mortgage balance goes the other direction so like you're talking 30 years usually if you're paying like your mortgage payment of like here in texas like 12 13 1400 bucks only about like 100 120 bucks is actually going to paying off that principal amount right most of it's going towards interest but the problem with that is is like if you stop making that payment that interest compounds on top of the previous month's interest and the principal payment you weren't making so that can make your mortgage go backwards so if you talk with these people that have been in forbearance for over a year year and a half now those balances are huge yeah and then they go okay well, we're going to try to put you in loan modification they're going to do everything they can to try to keep them in that house that entire time it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger of as far as the amount that's owed towards the yeah. one thing you can do is either get a short sale or the bank's going to have to foreclose and you're going to have to do it through the REO market. Well, I mean, to that point, I think one of the things to keep in mind is one thing that I, I, I talked about, I think last episode or the one before 
is I truly believe that the mortgage is the asset nowadays because of the inflation, right? When inflation hits, real estate, hard assets are what hold the best wealth because you can't print them, right? They're not, uh, they're not fake. They're not, they're there. It's a limited supply. There's only so much land. There's only so much houses, you know? So it's like, those are the things that absorb the majority. And that's what we're seeing is these asset bubbles and everything. So what I more predict is that you're going to see loan modifications. And I agree with their point because it's just going to be people, wages keep going up now because people are needing to keep up with this, this type of inflation. So now you're getting paid more where now that mortgage that you got to take, even with a loan mod put in place, is not going to be that crazy in comparison. Now what you're getting paid for your new wages and everything and job increases and everything, like I just don't see that that mortgage is going to become as troubling as it was pre-pandemic level, right? Yeah. Because we're seeing all this creep up and keep up. So I don't think, you know, I, I was uh, recently asked a question by somebody in our text community that he was saying, you know, how do you market to these foreclosures and stuff like that? I was like, well, you got to understand when you're buying foreclosures, when you're buying properties, you're buying distress, whether the house or the homeowner, somebody needs to be distressed to sell to an investor at a discount. Where's the distress in the foreclosure market right now? You understand? Like, unless somebody has an actual distress that they need to sell really fast, something happened. Yeah. Foreclosure isn't enough of a, a distress at this moment, you know? And I think I, I foresee definitely the government... Fannie and Freddie stepping in and everybody giving these banks incentives to do well, these I loan mean, we modifications. Had so, we had somebody comment on one of our videos uh, recently about the bidding wars and stuff like that. Teresa, I don't know if I want to jump in and get into these bidding wars, so I'm just going to wait. And right. they asked about, like, am I right in my assumption? And my response was, it's like, well, one, you can't be looking at a house as an asset because it's not. And that's what you think. I don't want to overpay for an asset. It's like, well, we're using the wrong term. It's not an asset. It's a liability until you sell that thing in the future. It's like, you shouldn't be buying a house if you don't plan on staying in it for at least five years because it's like, but and I use the point. It's like, but these bidding wars have been around for a while. Like you look at other markets in Texas, like I've been hearing bidding wars coming out of Dallas for years to where the people that bought years ago are sitting very well off as far as equity because prices have gone up. People that bought in February, people that bought in March, like their houses are now worth more than what they did. Now, I'm not saying never bet uh, to bet on appreciating that it's going to be worth more, but it's one of those that you shouldn't be buying a house than looking at it from just a price standpoint and price alone. It should be more of a personal finance aspect. Like, can I afford to make that payment? Why are you buying this house? Not just, I want a house because I want a house. Like, no, I'm buying a house because I'm at a stage of life where like I need more space or I'm in a stable career and I can afford this based on my monthly payments. And the price does matter, but it's people are focusing on the wrong term. And I think that's one of the things that like these, all these bidding wars and all this stuff that they're talking about that uh, we are going to be in this for a period of time. And now, just to be clear, when you say, the house is not an asset. You're talking about your homestead is not an yeah, asset. Yeah, you're buying for a homestead. That's right. what I said. Like, and I use that terms. Like, if you're buying a house, you should be in. And that's where I, I think I put in that comment is like the difference between buying an investment, and buying a homestead. If you're buying a homestead, it's not an asset. Like, it's a big liability until you sell that thing in the future, and then it kind of converts to an asset from the equity you have built in it. Right. Uh, but that person, I think they were looking at it from completely the wrong way. Oh, well, um, everybody wants to get a deal. That's what I see as the issue is like everybody, you know, 
I want a deal. I want a great deal. I want to, I'm like, I understand you want a deal, but you got to understand where the market is. Yeah. Where's the market? Because what right now doesn't seem like a deal in a month, two months, it is. Yeah. Right. No, it's like you, or yeah, over you, time, it you, will be. Yeah. If you bid on it, like we just sold one recently, like it to where like if you bid on this house in April or, or February when we bought it and you look at today's prices, you just gained $20,000. Like right. the prices have gone up that fast in that price point in that area drastically. Yeah. 